We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Aaron Rodgers looking for Devontae Adams. He's got it. DJ Moore has a pass to the end zone. Jonathan Taylor. Touchdown. Hello everyone, welcome back to Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by Blue Wire. My name is Colin Kelly, you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland, and as always I am delighted to be joined by my co-host, it is Sean Siegel, one of the corners of Rotoviz. Check out all of Sean's work up on rotoviz.com, but Sean, we were joined on Thursday's show by Danny Kelly of The Ringer, and I am very happy to say Danny is back for another episode of Rotoviz Overtime. We're going to be talking today about the 2022 NFL prospects entering this draft. We'll be looking at the wide receiver position, at the running back position, getting Danny's thoughts. And that is going to be a lot of fun and very, very insightful in just one moment. If you didn't check out the episode on Thursday, that was with Danny as well, as we talked through some evergreen content around dynasty, roster construction, prospect evaluation, and much more. So check that one out after today's show if you haven't already. You can hit that subscribe button as well on your favorite podcast app. Make sure you get each and every one of these episodes once they come your way. We're doing three shows a week here on Rotoviz Overtime throughout the offseason. We don't stop. We keep going. We've been on a three-show per week schedule of Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday over the last kind of, I'd say at this point, over a year. So make sure you are subscribed to get those once they come out. We're also running a competition this week where you can win yourself a $125 entry to the FFPC Never Too Early Best Ball Tournament and the top prize in that is $25,000. All you have to do in that is retweet the tweet that will be linked in the podcast show notes today or it is also the pinned tweet on my at Overtime Ireland Twitter feed and subscribe to the Rotovis YouTube channel and then we'll be announcing that winner next week on the podcast so best of luck to everyone that gets involved free to enter don't miss out helps us grow our audience here as well but with all that said and done back again today we did a little bit of evergreen kind of conversation on thursday we're gonna be diving into the 2022 prospects on today's show and uh, it's a really exciting time of the year when we get to this point getting ready for the nfl draft and, and no better person to talk about it with than danny of course i mentioned it on thursday show as well check out his twitter feed it is at danny b kelly make sure you're following him over there and check out all his work up at the ringer but danny welcome back in we're looking forward to diving into to some prospect talk on this one absolutely thanks for having me on so the first thing we're going to look at is wide receiver and you know we've talked a lot and we did mention on the show previously how 
guys like myself, guys like Sean over at Rotoviz like to have those kind of younger declared players coming out from college. And uh, we're looking this year, there's a few guys who are four-year wide receivers. What are some of your thoughts on, I guess, the older wide receivers coming out first? Is that a concern for you or is that something that you factor in when you're you're looking ahead here? Yeah, it's definitely something I factor in and, and try and keep in mind. It's not like the end-all be-all necessarily. I mean, because you have you do have some guys that, that – uh, declare as seniors and end up being good productive uh, pros in the NFL. But it is a very good, I think, you know, variable to keep in mind because, you know, I think just logically a guy who's producing earlier in his career and, and going out of school earlier, like they're just more likely to be a really good player. Right. And they're pl- and they're going up against older players. Um, they've shown that they can do that against older players. You're going into the NFL, you're going to face a really high level competition. Um, and so like if you're an 18, 19 year old and, and, performing really well against, you know, older guys, 20, 21 year olds. Um, generally speaking, that means you're a pretty good player. And then if, on the other hand, like if you're a 22, 23 year old and you're going up against younger guys and kind of dominating that, like it could be a little bit of a red flag, but um, I wouldn't say it completely eliminates guys from my, you know, from my list or whatever, but I would say it's something that I keep in mind and, and, and consider with everything else being equal or not even that really. I, I think it, I, I think if you're a junior coming out or a redshirt sophomore coming out, um, that's a big boost for me in, in my list. So I, I definitely subscribe to that that philosophy and I think it matters. So um, it is something that you have to consider. This is an interesting one, I think, because for so long, there was such a big edge with the people who broke out early, the receivers who declared early. And as you know, the community kind of picks up on that, then you know, you, yeah, you can't just, let yourself yeah. just be pushed away from the crowd over and over. But I, I find myself almost wanting to go back the other way a little bit. And some of these sure, guys sure. are good. And there's always that interesting element of trying to decide how much of it you think is the NFL overvaluing a player and having this element where they really are just looking at the player's final year, where they're playing as an old player against less experienced players and they dominate because of that, as opposed to guys who were actually good and just for whatever reason, you know, couldn't come out until the end. So there are some interesting guys in this class. So fill us in a little bit on Olave, Dotson, Tolbert. Can they challenge any of the sort of big names who are also younger guys? You mentioned on the previous show that you did like Wilson a lot over Olave. How do these players fit into kind of where you think they're going to be drafted? Are they going to be overvalued, undervalued? are they good? <laughs> so starting with Olave, I, I like Olave. I think he's really good. I think he will be a good pro. Um, I think in any, in any case, I totally understand where you're talking about, like maybe zigging while everyone else is zagging and just like hyper-focused on early declare early production type guys. You have to look at every player, um, you know, with a, with the context of like why they are, still in, in college football or whatever. I don't really know exactly why Olave decided to stay for a senior year. He could have come out. People liked him last year. Um, I don't know if he would have been a first round pick, but I think he would have been a second round pick at the bare minimum. And so he would have had a good draft capital. He would have been an early declare. He would have had great production. He would, he like, an, he would have checked a lot of boxes, but he decided to go back. And now he has pushed himself up into the first round probably. Um, but at the same time, you got this this idea that he's like the third best receiver on his team. So I think that there are there are things you have to weigh. And he, and stylistically, like he's he's slight. He doesn't he doesn't play 
super physically. I don't know if he has great run after the catch ability. There's there's definitely variables there, but he is like Ohio State's all time touchdown leader. Like he scores touchdowns. He's really fast. He's really smooth. He's a good route runner. So I think it, it's I mean, I, I know it sounds like I'm fencing, but like it's hard. It's very hard to figure these things out. It's a um, case by case basis. I think if you were just purely playing the odds and decided not to even watch tape or, or factor in like those variables, you just want you think you'll have a higher hit rate. Bottom line going forward, if you just eliminate seniors and guys that are late to Claire's or late um, late breakout guys. Your, your hit rate's probably going to be fine, but I think that doesn't... I, I'm just like not going to play that way. I, I think I keep all those things in mind. I'm not going to completely eliminate a guy like Olave um, or Dotson um, based on those things. But I do think, you know, so Olave to me, I think he's going to be first-round pick. I think he could have come out last year, so I'm not too worried really about Olave. Um, with Dotson, I think to me it's more worrisome. I think that is he's like real slight, like he's a small guy. Um, and I don't... I'm not super confident he's going to be a first round pick. I think he'll be a second round pick. So that'll probably push him down my ranks a little bit. Those two reasons. Um, I, I still like him a lot. And I think he could in, in the right situation on the right team, like be a really productive. He, he reminds me a lot of Deontay Johnson. If you get him on a team where you're utilizing him to get open early in the, in routes, um, be, you know, like sort of like the security blanket for a quarterback. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, and I think he could be productive, but I think there's just more question marks around him than some of these other guys that are going to, I think like, for instance, Garrett Wilson, I think he's going to go early. He's going to go really early and he's going to be like the focal point of an offense potentially. Whereas I think Dotson feels more like a number two type receiver. So um, those are the types of things that you have to keep in mind. But I think that would be like, I think there's legitimate reasons to push Dotson down a little bit, even though I think he's a good player and he's an exciting player and he could be a good pro. Um, there are just those things that like sit in the back of your mind and make you worry a little bit. Um, with Tolbert, like the small school thing is the big piece of context here. Um, you know, I, I'm not like super high on Tolbert. I think he is certainly an interesting player for like a second round pick and in, in rookie drafts and in super flex rookie drafts. Um, but the, the small school thing always worries me a little bit. Um, he's older. And, and so that's also an, a worry. And, and again, I'm, like I said at the beginning, like I'm not, eliminating him from my list but these things do push push him down a little bit for me you mentioned predicting draft capital with some of the players and that's a, a key element that we talked about sort of structurally on the previous show do you have kind of a feel for where you think tolbert's going to go you know as you mentioned obviously the small school factors into that where you know we assume that players with similar production are going to go later uh right now if i had to guess late second round early third um you know, I'll probably I'll, I'll laser focus that in as we get closer to the draft. I don't want you to hold me to that. But that's just like kind of like where I would um, probably guess right now. There's just so many receivers in this class. And, you know, I think in terms of the darling, you know, the darling small school guys like Christian Watson is the guy I think that's going to rise. And, and Tolbert will probably fall a little bit. All things else, everything else like equal, like Watson's like the freakiest of athletes, you know. And so like that's going to be something that can that can push him up, even though, you know, he's coming from a small school and is in his production profile isn't as strong as you'd hope or whatever, at least, you know, raw volume. Um, so I think that is something I think that maybe Tolbert will fall a little bit because he just wasn't like on the same level of athlete and, and, and all that. But I, I do think generally speaking, the NFL likes a guy like Tolbert, but I, I don't know if he's, he's an early second round type guy or, or clearly probably not a first rounder. So that would be where I pencil him in. He's still definitely someone worth keeping an eye on. 
Um, but he's not like to me a first round pick in, in rookie drafts. So you mentioned Watson and he's obviously the fun rising name. And uh, just, we were talking with uh, Matt Hicks and he was mentioning just how smooth he is when you watch and, and <laughs> you go and, and look at some of his plays and you're like, how did this guy not have, you know, 2000 yards a year with just how unbelievable he actually looks, you know? And again, that's a, not just a little red flag. It's a big red flag kind of on its own, but he wasn't the only guy among this group of big hyper athletic, but unproductive old wide receiver prospects now, which ones of these guys are the true NFL talents and dynasty sleepers? I mean, is it accurate to to look at these guys as being unproductive, big, old, freakishly athletic? <laughs> it's just so mean. It sounds so mean. Um, no, the I old think guys here they're 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 far younger than I am. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Um, no, I think so. Like for instance, with Watson and Tolbert, I think both of those guys are going to have enough draft cap draft capital to make them worth taking a stab at and i think they both have nfl skill sets like the size i think with watson if anything the only question i've had like he might be a first round pick the only question i have is how many first rounders are there going to be there's just so many good receivers in this class um so i I would say watson i'm pretty comfortable taking early in in rookie drafts especially before the draft because i think he's got enough buzz he's got that profile elite athleticism um there's context around why he's an older uh unproductive guy like the unproductive thing with like north dakota states like they don't throw the ball <laughs> you know like they're a running team that is absolutely freaking dominated by just running it down the throats of everybody that they play so as trey lance can also tell you yeah exactly um so i think that context is is what matters with watson and then you know so i think like he's very interesting to me and i i'd be definitely like willing to take a a stab at him um who are some of the other guys that you had in mind? I'm just like looking down the list here. Like um, Khalil Shakur from Boise State, I think is definitely very interesting. He's He was pretty productive, um, but he's coming out as a senior, I believe. Um, the other guy I think that I still haven't decided how I feel about him is Alec Pierce from Cincinnati. Um, clearly very athletic. Like he has, I believe, a volleyball background, um, you know, can jump out of the building extremely fast. He ran the four threes. Um, I'm a little bit concerned like his role in the NFL is not going to be like high volume fantasy type guy. That's like the main thing. I'm like, he's going to be like a field stretcher, like Donovan Peoples Jones or something like that. Um, And you'll get a few spike weeks out of him. But like, is he going to be a big volume receiver in an offense? Or is he just going to be like a role playing field stretch type guy down the sideline? Is I I think, of course, landing spot matters a lot. Um, But that's just like how I'm looking at him right now. Well, these guys might kind of fit into Column's question here, but in, in terms of some of these guys, Tyquan Thornton, Isaiah Weston, are they players who would fit in that group at all? I mean, they're different players, obviously, but. Yeah. Uh, Weston, I need to watch him still. I was talking to my schedule, my buddy, Scott Barrett, and he said like Weston's numbers are absolutely ridiculous. And so like the, he, he's another type of guy um late in drafts you might want to take a a flyer on just because he has the elite athleticism he has good production all that stuff i think really matters he's not going to be an early round pick most likely um so you have to take that into account like if i had to guess probably fifth or sixth rounder at this point but we'll see um and so that's like something that you have to keep in mind and then a guy like taekwon thorn i actually like him too but he's the same deal very skinny um he's six foot like 380 something pounds like very 
very thin framed guy in explosive speed and the speed shows up on tape. But I guess the question is like, what role is he going to play in an offense? And is that going to be valuable in fantasy? Obviously later you get in draft, you just want to find a guy who's actually going to play. That's like the bottom line. Um, but like, is this guy's role as like a field stretcher guy on the outside, or is he someone that's going to play at all three levels and, and get screens and things like that? Like, that's what you got to figure out. I don't really know where I land with, with Thornton again on that. I think it's just, um, he's probably going to be a fourth or fifth round pick at this point. I guess there's a chance because he ran so fast, he could go a little bit higher. Um, but I think that's just like right now, they'd be more like dart throws later in drafts. If I was, if I was picking right now. Yeah, you mentioned Dartro's later in drafts. You might have given away all the answers uh, over that last question, but is there anyone else, you know, I guess we'll say a deep sleeper or a later round pick that you think could actually yeah. make that leap to the NFL level? So there are two guys in this class. Well, there's more than two, but the two guys that kind of like came to mind when you guys asked me that question was, uh, the first was Bo Melton from Rutgers, who I would say is, is again, he's an older guy. He's like a fifth year. He played five years um at Rutgers I believe he was a pretty um pretty high recruit coming into college he decided to go to Rutgers and he put up like decent market share yardage and 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 touchdowns for for this offense that they're running but again it was it was like the South Dakota State thing it was um you know like a a low volume sorry North Dakota State it was a low volume um offense They, they were a disaster in the passing game so his not his pure numbers like i think his career high was like 600 something yards so it's like not gonna pop necessarily on if you're sorting by volume but like his market share was pretty good he's thick he's like 511 189 pounds so like he's, he's got that good bmi um four three four forty again it's like you're sorting once you get once the combine's over you're gonna like looking at these guys and you're like okay this guy ran a four three really good explosiveness really good three cone um is there something there? And that's kind of like what I, what I'm like, how I start there. And I look at his tape and, you know, obviously he's not, he, as a route runner, he gets knocked off his route a lot. He's not a strong route runner. Like corners can kind of push him off his, his, his route and all that stuff. So he's got to like get better there. Um, but his production was pretty good at relative to his team. Um, he's got explosiveness. He's got suddenness. Uh, he, I hit, I saw actually in the road of his box score scout, he has got some interesting Sims. Um, T.Y. Hilton, Emmanuel Sanders, and Darnell Mooney were all on there. Um, he's also kind of guy who can, like, I think, be used in like the screen game. I, we saw Mooney do that a lot this last year, where they were just designing screens for him because he's so fast, he's so sudden. I think that's the kind of thing that if Melton lands in the right spot, he could certainly out outplay his draft capital, which is likely to be day three at this point. Um, but I think his tape is pretty decent not 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 great but it's decent as a as a mid-round guy and so he's another guy that'll probably be taking stabs at just because um of the physical traits and you know the fact that he was like the the context is he was on this team with like that couldn't pass the ball and and was like a disaster on offense so um i think he's one guy that comes to mind and then the other guy that i think is interesting and has a little bit of buzz among like tape guys is danny gray from smu who again He's like a like the BMI six foot 186, like solid thickness or whatever. He ran a four three three forty at the at the combine. So he's got that explosiveness. He's got that suddenness. His his numbers are not they don't stand out necessarily. But if you turn on the tape, he can he can really fly. Like he's very fast. He's got a gliding style. Um, he's explosive yards after the catch, which again we talked about on on the last show. It's something that I just look for because I think he's the type of guy that can be utilized as more than just a deep threat like he's not going to be pigeonholed into a guy that's like running down the field 
and hardly getting any targets. Like he could be utilized in screens and slants, um, you know, put him in the backfield, like do, do different things to get him involved. But he's very, very fast. I saw that he ran 22.1.01 miles per hour at the senior bowl. I saw this uh, from Jim Nagy, um, which is third fastest of any time, anyone timed at the senior bowl over the last five years, only Terry McLaurin and Traquan Smith were faster. So his on-field speed is really good in addition to running track speed on, you know, at the combine. Um, and I don't know how much stock to put into this, but his road, his road of his box score scout was kind of ridiculous. Like Michael Hardman, KJ Hamler, Percy Harvin, Jeremy Macklin, Curtis Samuel, Brandon cooks and Paris Campbell. Like when you got a mid round guy and those are like some of your comps, like I'm willing to take a gamble on that. I don't know if he's necessarily very good, but he's very athletic and fast and explosive in, after the catch. So I think those are some of the things like, again, it's probably gonna be like a fourth round pick in rookie drafts, but he's the type of guy that I'd like throw a dart at. Well, and anyone who has listened to Rotoviz over time knows that the key comp there is KJ Hamler. So we're, uh, <laughs> are you we're, holding out hope now with, with oh, Russell Wilson in Denver? I'm kind of excited about this. Definitely. Definitely. A hundred percent shares again. So <laughs> we'll have one less roster spot than every other team in every draft, but <laughs> that's just the way you have to go sometimes. Yeah. Hey, Rotoviz fans, this is Dave Cabin from the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Podcast, taking a minute to let you know that as a loyal Rotoviz listener, you can get 10% off a one year subscription when you use the promo code RVRADIO2022 at checkout. It gives you full access to all of our content and tools. And again, that's RVRADIO2022 at checkout for 10% off a one year Rotoviz subscription. Enjoy the podcast. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Danny, as we transition into running backs here, I'm asking everybody this and hoping that all of the great draft minds can kind of slow me down on Brees Hall. He's somebody who I just felt like I was going to get everywhere. I mean, this guy is underrated, undervalued. You know, he's he's going to be kind of the focal point 
of what I do in 2022. And then he has that combine and I'm thinking, well, he's not going to be undervalued anymore, but now I'm even more ridiculously high on him than I was. So help me put this better into context. How does he compare with guys like Harris, Williams, Taylor, you know, who's his best comp among recent names, obviously going beyond just those, those players. So this is not an analytical comp at all. It's a stylistic comp. Um, and I actually gave him this before the combine. This is just based on me watching him. I've compared him to Antonio Gibson. I think just based on the way he runs, the explosiveness, the short area burst. Um, and I think those like comp well. I don't think he's necessarily like an elite tackle breaker type guy. He's not like, um, you know, running through tackles and, and, and blowing people up like Javante Williams or whatever. Um, so I don't think he really comps to Javante Williams or Jonathan Taylor, who is his, in his own stratosphere, really. Um, but I think Antonio Gibson is a good comp because he's got that breakaway speed. I think he showed that with running his 40. Um, you know, I think people were kind of underrating that a little bit coming into the combine. And so they were surprised. I, I don't know if, you know, obviously there's some, uh, discussion that every one of the running backs ran faster than like a, a standard time. Cause the field was fast. They had to put a new track down. Uh, they had to put a new turf down at the stadium. And so everyone was running a little bit fast, but regardless, I think he showed that he has speed. He has breakaway speed. Um, so he's a guy. So I, yeah, I guess I, I would say second tier. I don't think he's an elite elite tier in terms of like his overall athleticism and profile, but I think he's good. Like he's, he was, he was my clear cut RB one before the combine. And now I'm like, okay, that is validating. And I feel good about it. Um, and now I can feel pretty good about taking him like first overall, um, even in super flex, honestly. So yeah, I think, you know, he's, he. I think he's a really good prospect. I'm really excited to have him on teams. Of course, you're going to have to have an early pick, like top two, top three, probably to get him. And the fun part of that, then, obviously, we're looking at Dynasty. Have you thought of where you might be slotting him in if he goes, you know, a, in a, a good spot in the draft in terms of redraft leagues? Ooh, that's tough. Overall, like, round? probably. <laughs> yes, <laughs> probably. I mean, especially after seeing like Javante Williams this year, like, be a top 10 pick or whatever he is now in redraft um not not redraft sorry in like startups uh you know people are really really high after one year just seeing what javante williams was able to do like you kind of got to take a stab at these guys because their value can just skyrocket and then you can't get them right you can't get jonathan uh taylor now when, unless you're giving up the farm you can't get javante williams unless you're giving up the farm um and I think he's more explosive and more sudden and more elusive than a guy like Najee Harris, who is really living on volume. And so I think you can get Najee because people are less bullish on him. But like at this time next year, like you won't be able to trade for Brees Hall unless he gets hurt, knock on wood, you know, something like that, because I think he's going to he's going to shoot up and, and be like one of those, you know, foundational type type players in a year from now. Yeah, and we touched on it in the first show of the week when we talked about like you know going and trying to get those running backs and rookie drafts. But the thing with a lot of those rookies, even you mentioned there, if he gets injured, a lot of the guys who go with the higher prospect profile heading in will still maintain quite a bit of that value. But the guys out of those top picks, that value can disappear fairly quick. So uh, I think he he should be a pretty safe pick. And like Sean, we're we're getting very excited here about Brees Hall as well. The other guy in this class that there's there's buzz around is Kenneth Walker. There was some concerns coming in around athleticism you touched there on the possible faster track uh, at the combine right. this year yeah had you concerns over him coming in was there questions to be answered and and you know did that 40 help those concerns maybe yeah yeah i think it did i mean again like 
how much how much do we how much weight do we put into the idea that this was a faster track like or can we just like actually just believe what they ran at the nfl combine like i don't know like you know what i mean well, what's going to happen then is when they go to their pro days we're going to say oh it's not officially timed and then <laughs> yeah. you yeah. know when you talked about the senior bowl and we're set like i would love if they all just ran in pads i know we want to compare <laughs> right, it. we right. want to compare it to historical comps but like these guys aren't going to be running in, in shorts and t-shirts when, right. when it comes to sundays so, but like at the end of the day, it did answer some questions I had because I think there's a, he has a couple of runs. Kenneth Walker had a couple of runs where he's like running away from the defense. Um, and you know, you could see that speed on tape. It's not like he's getting caught from behind a lot. I think there are very few running backs in the NFL that aren't going to get caught from behind by like a cornerback or whatever. Um, but he, I, I do think he has that speed and that answers some of my questions. It's, it's, I'm not really that concerned about it one way or the other, though. Like, he, I think what really stands out to me is like the suddenness and explosiveness. Again, going back to last show in the short area that is very apparent on his tape. In fact, I comped him to Tim Hardaway. If you guys know basketball from like the 90s, like the killer crossover, um, he's just the type of guy that, like, in a very short area can get guys like flailing and like breaking their ankles. Um, and you see him running up the middle of the field and he's got like, he gets in the second level. There's a run, there's a linebacker right there and he just jukes the crap out of him and keeps going. And like, to me, that's like way more important than if he can like hit the home run. Like, obviously that's a nice bonus, but like his ability to kind of like make guys miss in the short area, pick up extra yards. Um, I think there's a reason he had so much production. Um, and so like, I think all that, like the tackle breaking, the agility, the burst, the short area quicks, all that stuff makes him like my second favorite running back in this class. The big question of course is can he catch? And so I guess that's why I comped him to uh Dobbins. Um, because like, I think you go into the, the league where pass catching is a big question mark, but explosiveness, elusiveness, um, burst, all that stuff. I'm pretty confident that he's going to be a really good runner in the NFL. And then, you know, from there, hopefully they can get him involved. Like, hopefully there's just this caveat that, Michigan State just didn't want him to be involved in the pass game because he was so heavily utilized on the ground. Whatever it is, whatever the case may be, um, that's kind of the hope you have. And, and of course, that's that's the risk that comes with him is that he just will never be a pass catcher. Yeah, I touched on this a few weeks ago with the show with Sean, but you mentioned A.J. Dillon earlier, and uh, I've listened to a few A.J. Dillon interviews being a Packers fan, and he says that like the reason he didn't catch the ball in college was because they just ran over teams and they didn't need to catch yeah. the ball. So, yeah. Like, so we could see something similar here, hopefully. Yeah. I mean, it, it, again, like it's every case is different, I guess. And so you have to like use that context, but like with AJ Dillon, yeah, like that was obvious. They, they didn't pass to their receivers either. Like, you know what I mean? Like they were just running the ball. <laughs> so um, again, it's just something that you have to kind of keep in mind and, and it probably does like knock him down slightly. And that's why I have Brees Hall as like the clear number one. Cause I think he's Brees Hall at least showed like he's comfortable catching the ball. He's got natural hands. He's not fighting the ball when he, when it's coming into his body, he's not bobbling it constantly, all that stuff. Um, and I think Walker just has more to prove just cause there's such a small sample right now, but um, I'm pretty damn confident in his ability as a runner. And I think he's going to have really good draft cap. Like he's going to be early day two likely or mid day two. Um, I should say mid second round, not day two. Um, if I was going to guess, that's probably where it'd be. I don't know if there's a first rounder in this group just based on the way the NFL drafts, like freaking Jonathan Taylor was a second rounder. So um, it just depends. Only takes one team, but it just depends. I, I think right now I'd probably safely say second round for both those guys. And I just have to follow up once more on, on Walker here because he 
does get so exciting based on you know the things that we're hearing based on the combine the name that pops out in the rotoviz workout explorer so just again athletic comps not the box score scout that also has the production comps mixed in was mm-hmm. ray rice but the difference mm. there is that rice had if we exclude special teams players had the second best three cone behind christian mccaffrey and both of those two guys when they cut they leave everybody in the other area of the field and they go but you're saying that walker has this cutting ability even though the running back position decided not to do those drills so yeah the i don't know i i don't know if i've gotten a good answer i think it the, uh, the initial thing was oh all the running backs decided together not to do it but i think i heard the nfl was like it's too late like the the drills have gone on too long it's too late we're just like dropping this so i don't know what actually happened they had put the colon away <laughs> which again is another reason for them to move it off of uh off of prime time it just doesn't make sense i don't know what he would run it'll be interesting to see if he runs at his pro day um the three cone but like just based on the tape i would guess he's very quick like that he's making guys miss again in a phone booth like that's the term i like to use just because he like if you picture you know it's not like he's bouncing the ball out and making guys miss that way like that's something certainly that he can do but like i'm talking about like making guys miss when you're in a crowd um and, and that that means like quick bursts um the anticipation to like set guys up with like a shoulder fake and then juke the other way kind of deal um he just has a natural ability to literally leave guys like jumping like through a cloud of dust <laughs> like you know what i mean like they're gra- they're like jumping and grasping at nothing because he's just like made them completely miss so Isaiah Spiller had a lot of encouraging elements to his profile too. And maybe the one thing was he didn't have this standout trait. And we've right. talked about standout traits as being important. But what was the tape telling you in terms of his results and now potential injury? I, I just, I can't imagine somebody, either themselves or their agent, their you know their entourage allowing them to right. do any of these workouts if you're not 100 because you're not going to test well and then you're going to look bad right but i mean he's somebody I, I was pretty excited about when i watched purely based on tape and um my first impression was like this guy's really good um i know that there are analytically some question marks about like him you know going forward and and i think that's fair and that's probably why i have him as my third running back but um just watching him on tape the he is he's another guy like walker who has incredible like juke ability like he he'll he'll cut in the short area and like make guys miss he has ability to create for himself um at the second level because he's so quick you know and 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 that burst is there so i think that's like very important he's a little more leggy i guess he's a little bit like high cut um relative to like a guy like walker who's very like short and stout i guess um and so maybe that's a concern, but I think overall, like I was really excited watching him play. I think he's a good player. Um, he may fall a bit compared to Brees and, and Kenneth Walker. Um, but if he gets a chance, like I still think he's going to be a, a productive player. He's, he's someone I'm willing to take in drafts, I think. Um, but he, I, I'm a little less, I guess, excited about him or, or whatever, but maybe this is a good example of going back to the last show of like scooping up a guy that like the dynasty community sours on a little bit during the pre-draft process you know, just because like they didn't like what happened at the combine or, or whatever, like people just kind of turn on him. Um, he's the kind of guy that I'd definitely like be willing to take a, take a flyer on, not a flyer. Cause you're going to have to give up a relatively good pick, but I'd be like, I'd be still excited to take him in, in a rookie draft. 
And I've got seven, at least seven names down here as intriguing small backs. And I've always been excited about these guys. Yeah. I like the players who catch passes, who potentially run to daylight, who are fast, who are going to have to overcome being small and who don't cost as much because that's important exactly. for a lot of the things that we do. Exactly. Who, who should we be looking at in this draft? And again, since it's not that deep in terms of bell cows and potential stars, who should we be looking at among the small backs who could end up sometime down the line as a running back too. So in this list, uh, the two guys that stand out to me the most are Tyler Beatty and James Cook. Um, I think Jerome Ford is certainly another guy who's very interesting and I'll probably be scooping up in drafts. Um, But Tyler Beatty, his elite production last year um, makes you kind of sit up and, and, and pay attention. Obviously he's a little bit shorter or a little bit smaller and not as heavy as some of these other like quote unquote, um, three down backs or whatever, but he did produce at a high level with high volume um, for Missouri last year. So I think he's an, he's definitely a really interesting guy and he's got that pass catching ability um, that some team is going to use on third down. Like he's kind of like in the James white role mold, I guess, like where, um, you know, you can utilize him on early downs. He's, he's a good runner. And when James white gets like the ball as a runner, like he does good things, but more likely you're going to see this guy like, in a pass catching role for some team. And if he can land with the team that really likes him as at that third down back, like, you know, you got an RB two on your hands, potentially more, and you're going to get him cheap probably. Um, and then James cook, I think is another one that's very interesting because um, again, he's like actually a pretty good runner. I think like with Georgia, the way that they split their reps, it's hard to really tell exactly like how much you can take from that. Like, they have all these four and five star guys that he's going up against Zamir white. Who's a five-star recruit and they're going to get Georgia is just going to get everybody their touches, right? It doesn't necessarily mean, Oh, we saw Zamir white as a better runner. You know, it, it's just, we've got two, four and five-star guys that we got to get the ball to. Um, Cause James cook, I believe was a four-star. Um, but he's, he's again, he wanted to, what I heard at the combine was he wanted to do everything at, uh, at like the post, like the senior bowl and at the combine as a receiver. He wanted to be he wanted to do receiver stuff because he's that good as a pass catcher. Um, I don't think they would let him for whatever reason, but like that's like his mindset. He wants to be a pass catcher. Um, and he he came in, I think, bigger than they were expecting. He's like 200 pounds, 199 pounds. So I think I'm very excited about Cook, I think, in particular, because when you watch him run, I don't I don't know how to explain like the Dalvin Cook family has this. They both of them have the same running style. Like it's like a skip. It's almost like they're skipping sometimes where their feet get kind of close together and they make guys miss by just like, again, I can't really like explain it with words, but like, if you see, it's like their feet get really close together and then they like jump and like make guys miss when they're diving at their feet. And they're just like so elusive that way. Um, And so, you know, cook Dalvin cook, I don't think ran or was like as explosive as you'd expect. And James cook, I think he ran really well, not necessarily for his size, but like he ran like in the four fours, I think both of those guys just have natural running ability, natural talent to evade tacklers. And so, and maybe the NFL is going to look at cook being Dalvin's brother and that'll push him up boards a little bit. I could see him being a third rounder. Um, So he, he's definitely a guy I'm excited about. And we will leave it there. And uh, it's just occurred to me as we get ready to wrap this one up. It is the week of St. Patrick's day, obviously as an Irish man, it is something I've got asked about over the last week or two from some of uh, my u.s counterparts uh, in the fantasy football space and it's you know it is obviously a national holiday here we have a bank holiday what we call a national holiday get your day off work and things like that 
but it's it's never been one that I've gone crazy. I know that you have the the parades, a lot of fun. I think it's more fun stateside at this point than it is here in in Ireland. But if you had some fun on the seventeenth, hopefully you uh, enjoyed yourself and hopefully you've enjoyed today's show. Also, so happy St Patrick's Day to you all as i mentioned check out danny on twitter if you haven't done so already and of course check out sean on the stadium bananas podcast with ben gretch and of course you can find him here on rotoviz ot and all his work up on rotoviz.com give me a follow on twitter at overtime ireland and of course no better time to do that if you haven't already done so when we have the contest running this week it is the pinned tweet on my twitter feed it's also in the show notes subscribe to the rotoviz youtube channel and have a chance to win that $125 entry to that best ball tournament over at the FFPC. So that kind of wraps us all up the third show of the week. Excited for another great week of shows and Denny Carter will be joining us of NBC Sports on the Thursday episode. So another fun one coming up. Uh, Make sure you tune in for that one. But until we're back with another episode, all that's left to say is have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast.